1: I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. here at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your 5 at 5. we got stocks coming off their best day since January on the back of some impressive gains in tech. But futures, they are painting a very different picture this morning. The main reason a trifecta of troubles from the likes of Amazon, Pinterest, and Snap as worrying outlooks send those shares lower ahead of the open. And call it the end of an era, the Bank of Japan issuing its latest monetary policy decision overnight, what could be the end to years of ultra-low rates and accommodation. Plus, the anti-ESG wave grows as Kansas adds its name to the list of states, banning ESG consideration when it comes to investing public funds. We speak with the state treasurer on this new landmark law. And then later, a sentiment shift at First Republic as it now looks to avoid a government takeover, it is Friday, April the 28th, 2023. You are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. Happy Friday. Welcome to Worldwide Exchange. I am Frank Holland. Let's kick off the hour with some breaking news in the European Union out with its latest quarterly growth numbers. Our Jamana Bersetti is live in our London newsroom with more. Jamana.
2: That's right, Frank, some breaking news coming out of the Eurozone here. The preliminary flash Q1 GDP estimates has come in at 0.1 percent quarter on quarter. That is slightly lower than the consensus estimate of 0.2 percentage point on an annualized basis. We're looking at 1.3 percentage points annualized growth rate versus, again, a consensus number of 1.4. Just to give you a little bit more detail, the breakdown here earlier on in the morning, we had the numbers come out from all of the periphery countries, from Italy, Spain. Those came in higher than expectations. Thank you. The cat France came in line, coming in at 0.2 percentage points quarter on quarter. But Germany is the one to watch. That country did come in flat 0% versus uh, expectations of 0.2 percentage points. So we're going to get more details in the, in the coming weeks about where the weakness is coming from. But it does tell you that relative to expectations, Eurozone GDP has slightly disappointed. In terms of the reaction, you can see the uh, euro crosses here. We are seeing a bit of a reaction there uh, to the downside. And, of course, uh, one of the focuses is going to be as well on those CPI numbers coming out later today. Two, the aggregate Eurozone CPI number is set to come out on May the 2nd. But today we get the numbers out of Germany. And because so far the hints have been for CPI to disappoint to the downside, European yields have been rallying quite aggressively this morning. The likes of German bunds down about nine basis points, Italian BTPs also down about nine basis points as well. So a lot of macro data coming through this morning, but putting it together, Eurozone GDP still around stagnation territory, CPI, potential risk to the downside later on. All
1: right, we'll continue to watch and look at that impact when it comes to the European markets. Our Jemana in our London newsroom. Jemana, thank you very much. All right, turning our attention back home, let's get off your trading day with a look at U.S. stock futures. After the down the S&P, they posted their best day since early January. But as you can see, the futures right now, they are in the red. The Dow looks like it would open up more than 150 points lower at this point. We're seeing the S&P and the Nasdaq down more than a quarter percent at this early hour. So all that investor enthusiasm really boosted by upbeat numbers out of Meta that sent those shares to a new 52-week high this morning. We're continuing to see uh, that impact when it comes right now on, from the futures, even on this name right here, down just about a half a percent this morning. As you mentioned, a big jump after uh, it's earnings report just yesterday, up double digits yesterday. We're also checking the bond market this morning. We continue to watch the bond market as we come closer and closer to that Fed rate decision. We're seeing the 10-year note at 3.45. However, we are seeing the yield on the two-year. This is important. Back above 4%, a lot of investors going to the bond market for safety, worried about those rising rates. We're also watching oil right now, WTI. That's the U.S. benchmark, still below $80 a barrel. Right now, it's $74 a barrel. Down almost a percent this morning. Brent crude, that's the international benchmark at about 7770. Also almost down a percent. Natural gas, however, the hardest hit down a percent and a half. And we're watching crypto. We've seen some movement in crypto. We're seeing Bitcoin still below that 30,000 mark this morning, but rising a bit from where we saw it yesterday. The board's about to change in just a second. Um, However, uh, Ethereum um, also moving. Okay, maybe not. We're going to move past this one, Having some technical difficulties. It is early on a Friday. All right, back to this morning's top story and big tech turning the tide after what's been a pretty solid week of quarterly reports. This morning, it's all about Amazon, Snapchat and Pinterest ahead of the open. We're seeing the moves here. Snap down 19 percent, Pinterest down 14 percent, Amazon down almost a percent and a half. Our Arjun Kapal joins us now from London with the breakdown on these tech reports. Arjun, what are you seeing here?
3: What a week it's been, Frank. Let me kick off with Amazon because they beat on revenue. They beat on earnings. AWS showed growth of about 16% resilient in what is a very difficult market at the moment on the macro side and for cloud computing as well. Its ads business showed some uh, strong growth as well, even with those macro concerns. But the issue was with the guidance. That's why you're seeing that move lower. The company guiding around $127 billion to $133 billion in revenue for Q2, just 5 to 10% growth. But the CFO warning that companies are cutting their spending on cloud, and that could be bad news for Amazon. It's saying that the April growth rates are already lower than Q1. So that is what sent its shares lower, uh, that outlook, that guidance. Moving on to Snap. It was really bad news all around for the company. It missed on user growth. It missed on revenue growth. It missed on average revenue per user and its second quarter internal guidance, as it said, was revenue of about $1.04 billion, which was below what the market expected. And secondly, Pinterest, it it was good because it beat revenue. But again, that guidance was what brought these shares substantially lower as well. It's predicting about 4% revenue growth for the second quarter, again, below market expectations. The issue for both of these companies is this, the ad market remains very tough right now with business cutting back on ad spend as well. Now, Alphabet and meta given their scale their size their user base they have remained resilient and managed to eke out a little bit of growth even in this tough macro environment these smaller players snap and pinterest are struggling at this point and it doesn't look like they're bullish on the current quarter either frank
1: sergeant we heard from so many names this week give us the scorecard when it comes to tech
3: Well, let me start with what I think were the top performers uh, this week, and that was Microsoft and Meta. Microsoft showing its cloud business remaining strong but slowing, but it's showing resiliency, as I mentioned, in in what is a tough quarter. Meta, meanwhile, showed its core advertising business back on track, even as its mixed reality metaverse division continues to pile up the losses. Investors happy with the fact that its bread and butter, its core ads on Facebook and Instagram continue to come back. Where I'll put in the middle is Alphabet, I think, because it was a mixed bag. Yes, it showed a bit of resiliency and ads, but its guidance again uh, said that there could be some uncertainty going forward. That's middle of the pack. Again, perhaps joining uh, Alphabet, perhaps a bit lower really, was Amazon. As I mentioned just moments ago, it showed it continued to grow in cloud, but that outlook uh, was uncertain. It said that companies are cutting back on cloud spend, which could have an impact. And at the bottom of the pile, certainly the worst performers uh, this earning season snap here, uh, struggling with what is a, a difficult ad market at the moment. And Pinterest as well with uh, similar expectations. One thing I will say for this whole week is this, that expectations were low from the analysts, from investors going into these. These companies just had to meet or beat earnings. But I said at the start of the week that the key was going to be the guidance. And all of these companies, even the ones who performed really well, warned on some sort of uncertainty, some sort of belt tightening from businesses and spending on cloud and advertising going forward. So while there has been a rally in some of these names, I think investors are probably a little bit cautious at this point, given some of the the outlook we've heard from these companies going forward, that the tech sector is not yet out of the woods, Frank. All right, Arjun Kapal live in our London newsroom.
1: Arjun, thank you very much. All right, let's get a check on this morning's other corporate stories. Our Bertha Coombs is here with those. Bertha, good morning.
4: Good morning, Frank. The Bank of Japan's new chief announcing a comprehensive policy review in his first board meeting as the bank's new governor, one that could set the stage for an eventual phase-out of his predecessor's loose policies and massive stimulus program. In terms of rate decisions, the bank is keeping interest rates on hold at just under 0%. Warren Buffett-backed Tesla rival BYD, Out with its latest earnings release, reporting more than a 400% jump in net income for its first quarter, despite the ongoing EV price war. The report coming just one day after BYD overtook Volkswagen as China's best-selling car brand, titled Volkswagen, has held in China for the past 15 years. And a change of heart at First Republic. The bank is now reportedly working on a private sector solution with hopes of avoiding an FDIC takeover. Far from its outlook just three days ago when it said all options were on the table, including a government shutdown. Shares of First Republic are down more than 50 percent this week and set to open Well, it looks like it's bouncing a little bit on that news, Frank. We'll see if they can avoid uh, one of those horrible Friday afternoon shutdowns.
1: Yeah, at least here in the early trade, looking like shares are up just about 10 percent. Our Bertha Coombs, we're going to see you later on the show. Bertha, thank you very much. All right, we do have a lot more ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, including the one word that investors need to know today. And it's been a very busy week for earnings, but we're not done yet, as a pair of big oil companies are set to report before the bell this morning. The keys to the reports from Exxon and Chevron. Plus, chips falling hard for Dow Component Intel. But investors, they don't seem to mind. We will explain. And then later, the latest salvo and the pushback against ESG investing requirements. We have the Kansas State Treasurer. He's going to join the show to tell us why his state is not on board with ESG. We have a very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns. Stay with us.
5: This podcast is supported by FedEx.
1: All right. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Where earnings season has been front and center for many investors this week, there are two key data points that are also going to have an outsized impact. Top of mind, personal consumption price index out today, or the PCE, the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation measure, expected to show a bit of a slowdown in the pace of price increases, though not enough to stop the central bank from rising interest rates at next week's policy meeting. This after GDP rose at a 1.1 percent rate annualized in the first quarter. That's below the 2 percent estimate, though. A new note from JP Morgan suggests the internal figures were constructive and that spending will be supported in the coming quarters. Let's talk much more about this with Bill Stone, chief investment officer at the Glenview Trust Company. Bill, always great to see you. Morning. All right. So GDP was, uh, you know, under the consensus there. But you say that the headline isn't as bad as it suggests. Give us a give us an explanation of that theory, and how does it impact your portfolio balancing?
0: Yeah. So the the real quick answer is that the U.S. consumer actually did quite well, or or spent quite a bit. I guess you'd say it that way uh, in the first quarter, uh, really increased the pace of spending relative to the previous quarter. What really took away was that uh, inventories were drawn down. It's it's kind of a strange concept how we do the GDP. So GDP, we count for GDP when we build the inventories, when we pull them down, or you know use them up. It doesn't count as a positive for inventory. So the good news is we used up a lot of inventories in the first quarter, which means we'll likely have to start building those up again. There's no you know guarantee that it starts in this quarter, but it that's why you paint a better picture for a future quarter when that happens. Um, you know, so on the margin, a better number than it looks. I'd still say it leads me to second quarter, the quarter we're in right now. I don't see the economy falling off the cliff. The problem probably gets in the second half of this year when things get a little tougher.
1: Okay. I also want to look ahead to what we have coming up. PCE later today, we just mentioned it, expected to show a decline when it comes to inflation. However, when we look at the, the outlook on a rate hike, still 85% chance of a quarter point hike. Again, how's that influencing your portfolio balancing? What sectors do you expect to be impacted by this?
0: Well, so we got the big picture. So we got the quarter number uh, within the GDP for the that PCE. So we know. It was probably on the whole a little hotter than expected. Maybe not for the month, but for the overall quarter. Um, I think in terms of what it really impacts is that, like you said, it's pretty much a done deal that we get another quarter hike uh, next week. And, and you know, there's still this niggling worry around the fact that inflation may be sticking around a little bit more. I think that's really, as you look through the portfolio, what you got to continue to worry about, or at least focus on is companies that have the pricing power because inflation, you know, is is probably sticking on, around a little bit more than most of us had hoped.
1: And what's your outlook on the uh, banking system right now? Um, obviously, that was a key issue of concern, and it's going to be a factor in that decision, whether, you know, they still hike or not. The Fed's made it clear they're watching the banking sector very closely.
0: Yeah, and they should. So numbers last night came out. They We get numbers on uh, Thursday night that tell us how much the uh, the banks have pulled down on the Fed support facilities for the banking system? We actually saw banks go to more banks go to the discount window and also go to that facility where they can borrow against their uh, against their portfolio of bonds. That's not really a good sign. So uh, we've certainly seen a little uptick for the last two weeks in that in in banks accessing that facility. So I'd say there's a little bit of a yellow warning light. It may have to do with large outflows related to paying taxes. Um, so maybe it's not the biggest deal, um, but certainly bears okay. watching. We'll get more numbers uh, tomorrow. Or, I mean, sorry, later today, I should say.
1: Yeah, a lot of people looking at that tax payment impact. Bill Stone, thank you for being here. Great insight as always. All right, coming up next here on Worldwide Exchange, big earnings report due out in the oil patch this morning from Chevron and Exxon. So which stock is better for your portfolio? Our next guest weighs in. All right, Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your big money movers. Three stock stories. The morning we begin with shares of Intel. They're popping ahead of the open despite reporting its largest quarterly loss in company history. For the first quarter, Intel reported sales of 11.7 billion dollars. They did top estimates, but that was down 36 percent compared to a year ago. Intel was forecasting sales to fall 40 percent, so pretty low bar there. EPS also coming in above estimates at a loss of four cents. Again, its biggest net loss ever. As for data centers, numbers also came in above estimates, but again, they were still down 40 cent compared to just last year. We're also watching shares of First Solar, the stock under pressure after it missed on the top and the bottom lines. Sales coming in at just under $550 million, down nearly 50% from a year ago. And shares of Cloudflare also sinking on a mixed first quarter report and lackluster current quarter and full year guidance for the first quarter, Cloudflare reported. A net loss of $38 million compared to a $41 million loss a year ago. The company's CFO blaming, quote, macroeconomic uncertainty for that weak report. All right, two more stocks we're watching this morning. That's Chevron and ExxonMobil, both of them set to report their results before the opening bell. These stocks telling two very different stories for investors this year after massive rallies in 2022. Of note, Exxon is just 2% from hitting a 52-week high, But one concern looming over both companies and the sector as a whole, recession and consumer demand slowdown fears. Joining me now, Baraj Borkataria, Associate Director of European Research at RBC Capital Markets. Baraj, good morning. Hey, morning, Frank. All right, let's just talk oil prices. So we saw a bit of a spike in oil prices after OPEC production cuts. Spiked about $10 a barrel from where we are right now, but it's kind of settled back to where we were before that spike. So how does that impact these two companies?
6: Yeah, clearly, there are fears on uh, recessionary forces driving lower demand. Lower demand drives lower prices. Uh, And obviously, we're coming from an extremely strong commodity price environment through 2022. So, energy performed very, very well uh, last year. uh, And Exxon and Chevron uh, participated in that. Uh, But this is a a more moderate environment than what we saw in the last 12 months. So, that that will definitely weigh on earnings uh, for this year. So uh,
1: that spike, it does impact refinery, the refinery business and refinery margins. Which one of these companies is more exposed to that?
6: So Exxon is the largest refiner among the global integrators. So it's four and a half million barrels a day uh, of refining capacity uh, or more than two times uh, what Chevron has. Uh, That's actually one of the reasons why we upgraded the stock last year. We thought refining margins would be uh, very strong and that played out. Um, Q1, the the report we'll see in about an hour's time, um, should be extremely strong as well. Uh, But actually, as you're looking into the second quarter and beyond, uh, refining margins have definitely moderated close to mid-cycle levels. You
1: know, since the start of the Ukraine war, natural gas was supposed to be a big story. You know, even this year, natural gas, however, we have seen a warmer than expected winter both both here in the U.S. and in Europe. Looking at natural gas prices, down almost 50 percent year to date. Which of these names has more exposure and could be more negatively impacted by
6: that? Both have a reasonable exposure to uh, U.S. gas prices. Uh, I would say at the margin, Exxon it is, is higher. Um, you know, As big Permian producers, you tend to produce a lot of gas associated with that oil. Um, so that will weigh on earnings as well. Um, there is uh some weakness also in the international market. We've seen LNG prices come down quite a lot, and that will also impact uh, Exxon and Chevron. So I think overall, what we're looking at is from a very, very high base uh, in terms of earnings strength, uh, both, both of these will moderate, but Exxon's likely to moderate a little bit faster uh, because of re- weaker refining margins. All
1: right, Baraj, I want to give investors some insights. So between the two of them, before this earnings print, which one would be your pick?
6: Honestly, I think expectations are quite high for both. Um, I think Exxon, as you mentioned uh, in your initial comments, is, is close to all-time highs. Um, what you've seen so far through reporting season is that um, even the beats, even the strong sets of results are being sold off because I guess investors take the view that Q1 is as good as it gets and then earnings earnings will fall through the rest of the year. So it's tough to see in the short term for both these comings to push on uh, from here fundamentally, we prefer Exxon over Chevron because of the uh, medium and long-term growth opportunities that it has. Um, but I think I do think expectations are quite high um, heading into this result.
1: Yeah, looking at both both of them flat ahead of that report, Baraj Borkataria, thank you for the insight. Thanks for being here. Thank and you. Exxon Mobile chairman and CEO Darren Woods will be on Squawk Box later this morning at 7.30 a.m. Eastern. There's still plenty more to come here on Worldwide Exchange, including... Amazon warning on cloud growth. But one Wall Streeter says there is a silver lining. He's going to tell us why. Plus, your top trending stories and why you might just want to wait a minute before you shred your collection of Bed Bath & Beyond 20% coupons. Worldwide Exchange will be back right after this break. It is right around 5.30 a.m. here in the New York City area and we are just getting started here on Worldwide Exchange. Here's what's still on deck. Futures under pressure after stocks posted their best day since early January. What a key economic report today could mean for the markets and the feds move next week. A big week for big tech ending with a bit of a bust by shares of Amazon, Snap, and one more name you know are treading lower ahead of the open. Plus the anti-ESG wave, it grows. As Kansas becomes the latest state to ban ESG consideration when investing public funds, we have a worldwide exchange exclusive. Kansas State Treasurer Stephen Johnson coming up It is Friday, April the 28th, 2023, and you're watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange and happy Friday. Let's pick up a half an hour with a check on U.S. stock futures. As we mentioned, futures are lower across the board right now. It looks like the Dow would open up about 100 points lower at this open. All three of them down almost a half a percent, but it's, again, very early. So speaking of yields, we have to talk about financials because as a sector, it's the worst performer year to date. Banks are by far the biggest drag within the group, but are not all the names in the red. Our Leslie Picker joins us now with a deeper dive on returns in today's Sectoronomics. Good morning, Leslie.
7: Hey, good morning, Frank. And you are correct there. Financials underperforming the S&P by a whopping 12 percentage points in 2023, a gap that only widened as banks reported first quarter results over the last few weeks. You can see from that chart there. Uh, the industry group is lagging the most, is no surprise, the banks. But insurance also in the red, while financial services, a catch-all subsector for asset management and fintech, are basically flat on the year. Now, some of the non-bank financials think those asset managers, et cetera, have been under pressure as well, simply because they tend to get grouped together in derivatives baskets that are publicly traded and have sold off along with that concern over the banks. Now, First Republic, with declines of about 95% year-to-date, is not just the worst performer within the financial sector, but the S&P 500 as a whole. The stock sold off largely this week as investors braced for potential asset sales, regulatory action, or intervention by larger banks, all of which have been reportedly considered to shore up confidence. The stock did eke out a 9% gain yesterday and is trading higher in the pre-market this morning on a report that a potential rescue plan is indeed in the works for that name. Now, besides First Republic, the individual laggards within the financial sector include Zions, Comerica, Charles Schwab, and KeyCorp. On the flip side, the leaders, there are actually financials in the green this year, are a mixed bag of fintech insurance and payments with Fiserv, Arch Capital Group, and Fleet Corps technologies all in the green and, and summing them up quite substantially year-to-date, Frank.
1: All right, our Leslie Picker. Leslie, great to have you back. All right, I was going to check on Thanks some of this so morning's top corporate stories. Our Bertha Coombs is back with those. Bertha, over to you.
4: Hey, Frank, good morning. Oil prices steady this morning following yesterday's Iranian military seizure of an oil tanker in the Gulf of Oman. was headed for Texas. The seizure of the ship Advantage Suite was condemned by the U.S. Navy, which said the tanker had issued a distress call in international waters. Now, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that the ship was chartered by Chevron and had loaded 750,000 barrels of crude in Kuwait. The incident comes amid wider tensions between the U.S. and Iran over Tehran's nuclear program. Sony posting record annual operating revenue helped by its chip division and record sales of its flagship PlayStation 5 gaming console. Sony says sales for the current fiscal year should remain relatively flat compared to last year and operating profit is expected to tick down slightly. For the year, Sony said it sold 19.1 million PS5 consoles, beating its own forecast of 18 million. That number was up from 11.5 million last fiscal year when Sony was facing supply chain issues. And the IMF is warning that European central banks should be wary of the economic and fiscal dangers if they stay the course with more interest rate hikes. In a report released today, the lender says while inflation may mean more tightening, banks need to stay nimble in case more tensions emerge, similar to the recent turmoil we've seen in the U.S. financial sector that ended up crippling Credit Suisse. Frank?
1: All right, Bertha, thank you very much. Our Bertha Coombs with the headlines. All right, turn our attention back to this morning's top story and a trifecta of big money movers. We are talking Amazon, Snap and Pinterest. We're going to start things off with Snap, the stock under heavy selling pressure ahead of the open after reporting its latest results after the close yesterday. The company missing the mark on a number of key metrics, including revenue, guidance, global daily active users and average revenue per user. A very similar story when it comes to Pinterest. Also under pressure, despite beating on the top and the bottom line, investors paying more attention to its second quarter sales outlook, when the company says will grow in the low teens. And then there's the big one here. That's Amazon. Set to open up in the red despite top and bottom line beats, along with strong showings for its cloud and ad business. But it's Amazon's cloud outlook that's really hurting this stock in the pre-market. The company's CFO noting on the call last night that AWS growth rates have yet to stabilize.
0: Given the ongoing economic uncertainty, customers of all sizes and all industries continue to look for cost savings across their businesses, similar to what you've seen us doing at Amazon. As expected, customers continue to evaluate ways to optimize their cloud spending in response to these tough economic conditions in the first quarter. And we are seeing these optimizations continue into the second quarter, with April revenue growth rates about 500 basis points lower than what we saw in Q1.
1: All right, let's dive deeper into Amazon's results and what they could signal for the rest of big tech. Joining me now is Nicholas Jones, equity research analyst at JMP Securities, a citizen's company. Nicholas, great to have you here this morning. Good morning. All right, so let's just start off. Those comments from the CFO, uh, they they didn't sound excited at all. He talked about that slowdown, 500 basis points. What did you make of those comments? And also really a lack of a big headline when it came to A.I.?
8: Yeah, you know, really, I think the challenge with AWS at the end of the quarter was expectations were fairly mixed. I think really the focus for investors was the cadence of the deceleration. So while the first quarter beat and exceeded expectations, the 500 basis points decline was a little bit more concerning, where investors and in, uh, in analysts didn't really know kind of what that meant for month by month decelerations in 2Q. So you know, going into the quarter, I think people were looking for nine to ten percent, maybe eleven percent year-over-year growth for two Q. Now those expectations might be somewhere between eight and ten. So I think that was kind of the focus for AWS in the quarter. Kind of a little bit of a disappointing in the D Um And I, you know, I agree. I think we uh, a lot of analysts, a lot of investors are looking for more clarity around AWS's competitive positioning against Azure and Google Cloud, particularly as generative AI becomes more focused. focus. So. You know, we think they're well positioned to compete here, but there wasn't a lot of kind of buzzy headlines in the release, um, uh, which I think is why we're seeing stock uh, kind of give up all its post market gains and now is down uh, pre market.
1: Were you surprised at all about the strength of the ad business, a very high margin business for Amazon? We've heard a lot of people talk about weakness when it comes to ads.
8: Yeah, you know, Amazon is a really powerful platform. You know, they've been taking some search from Google. They get a massive audience Um, in terms of retail media. They're right at the end point with consumers when they're about to convert. So it's not entirely surprising uh, to us that the ad business continues to show strength. And what's really interesting about that business is that it's uh, it's very high margin. We think it's higher margin than AWS. So as advertising continues to perform, this could really be the operating income margin uh, expansion story investors are looking for.
1: All right. What about the e-commerce business? Um, It beat expectations. But again, we are expecting a consumer slowdown. What's your outlook when it comes to the consumer business? And do you see it with the ability to potentially grow? We've heard from other analysts that consumer disposable income is actually going to grow this year. Yeah.
8: You know, Amazon is really well positioned because not only can it capture discretionary income as people have discretionary income and, you know, remain employed, a lot of people purchase staples from Amazon. So we think Amazon is actually one of the best e-commerce plays out there if you want to if you want exposure to e-commerce. And we expect it to be pretty resilient, even in a potential second half recession. All
1: right. Next, before we let you go, what's your price target? What's your rating after that call? A lot of people there, as you can see, uh, stocks down in the pre-market are kind of turning their nose up to Amazon this morning.
8: We think this is a great entry point to get into the stock. We maintain market outperform. Our price target is $140. We still like the stock a lot.
1: All right. Nicholas Jones from JMP Securities. Appreciate the insight. Thank you for being here. Coming up here on Worldwide Exchange, we have an exclusive interview with Kansas State Treasurer Stephen Johnson, his first take on why that state is pushing back against ESG investing and what it may signal for the future of that federal regulation. But first, as we had to break, some of your top trending stories. Don't toss out those Bed Bath & Beyond coupons, at least not yet. You might be able to use them. The Container Store announcing it's giving customers a 20% discount on any single item if they bring a Bed Bath coupon to any store location through May 31st. Big Lots jumping on the coupon bandwagon as well saying it would exchange all expired Bed Bath Coupons for 20% off a purchase of 50 bucks or more through May 7th. For new and existing Big Rewards members, the offer is a one-time use promotion. And Chipotle is also rewarding its customers offering lucky healthcare workers free meals for them and their team to celebrate National Nurses Week. The Mexican chain announcing that 2,000 winners will get a burrito care package with 50 entree codes for their team, equivalent to over 1 million bucks in free food. That starts on May 19th. And your morning omelet or afternoon banana bread may be getting just a bit cheaper. Wholesale egg prices seeing a rapid decline to drop to $1 for the first time since 2021, following a record high of more than five bucks back in December. The excellent news, get the fun coming up as coming as supply pressures continue to ease on the back of peak demand around the winter holidays worldwide exchange we're back in just a moment all right welcome back time now for your morning call sheet where we check on a few of the morning's biggest upgrades and downgrades by firms you know and stocks that you likely own deutsche bank upgrading old dominion from hold to buy with a 350 dollars price target that's an 11 percent upside from its current price deutsche laying out the case for why earnings of the company could double from current levels over the next 12 months and beyond. Goldman Sachs raising its price target on Amazon to 165 from 145 a share. Goldman says Amazon is positioned to emerge as a leader in all aspects of its internet coverage universe with the most compelling return profile of any stock covered. And Wolf Research upgrading to outperform from peer perform with a $46 price target. Wolf says the recent stock sell-off was expected, and the now long-term story looks compelling. All right, now over to Kansas. And state lawmakers there approving a bill this week designed to prevent investment decisions that consider environmental, social, and governance factors, or ESG. That new legislation will take effect on July 1st. It makes Kansas the latest state to enact anti-ESG laws in the past two years with Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia among the at least seven states that are now pushing back against that investment trend. Still, divisions within Kansas GOP majorities are keeping the measure softer than some conservatives wanted, agreeing to prevent the state and its pension fund for teachers and government workers from investing with ESG principals, but they rejected the proposal to require managers of private funds to disclose the use of ESG investing to their clients. Joining me now to discuss in a Worldwide Exchange exclusive, Representative Stephen Johnson, Kansas State Treasurer and a member of the Kansas House of Representatives, He is one of the 76 voters in support of this bill. Treasurer Johnson, good morning.
9: Good morning and great to be with you. And I am the treasurer, not currently in the House, so I wasn't able to vote for the bill, but uh, enjoyed working with my legislative colleagues on that.
1: But it sounds like you're a supporter. So error on our part, but it sounds like you do support the bill.
9: Uh, very definitely. So no worries.
1: All right. Let's talk about that bill for just a second. Um, you are a supporter. As you mentioned, you're not part of the House of Representatives. Um, do you have concerns, concerns in part that ESG considerations were a barrier to getting the best returns for public funds?
9: Correct. And it's that over time. And as you characterize the bills, I would say, mostly we're focused on a non or neutral ESG world. We simply want to look at a, at a case where we don't discriminate for or against based on those criteria. We simply want to look at what the best returns were. And that was my history in financial services and building and working with the models for over 20 years to build our efficient portfolios. As your world is, it's about the numbers.
1: All right, so you're obviously very well-versed in the world of finance. Generally, people that manage portfolios they have a fiduciary responsibility to get the best returns if they're using ESG or if they're not. So why? where's this concern coming from? Do you not trust these, these different managers to, to uh, fulfill their fiduciary responsibility?
9: Well, I think that's true as we look across the market. And every moment that the market is open, it's working to determine the price as they look at risk and return. That has happened for decades. It's something we've relied on in America and something I think we can continue to rely on. As we add policy objectives, it doesn't make an objective right or wrong, but I can't increase the return on my portfolio by adding constraints. I can only do that by adding value along the chain at some point. Therefore, as we look to how this impacts both contracts and portfolios, we want to make sure that we're simply looking at what's the greatest return that we can achieve for our clients this year and over time How do the measures taken by managers affect that value? And how does that affect the way we're investing in the market? And that becomes important when we look at the passive structure that we apply to domestic equities.
1: All right, this bill also addresses any kind of investing that might work against the interest of Kansas-based companies. Why was that so important in this bill?
9: Well, it deals largely with proxy voting. The bill addresses two things that the legislature worked to do, and as you said, there are a variety of things that could be addressed. What lawmakers work to do is figure out what are the key steps that we want to take in Kansas to address issues, which were specifically with contracting and proxy voting. So as we worked through that, when we look at the proxy votes, those need to be in the best interest of returns, And the second piece is, if we're neutral on that, what's in the best interest of Kansas and our dollars? Um, To drill just a little deeper, if we look at proxy voting and we look at what happened in the Exxon case, as a passive investor, fossil fuels are roughly 9% of the Russell 3000. If we decrease the value of Exxon Mobil or those stocks, we are going to hold them until they potentially go out of the system. Again, if we try and change that focus, it is hard to be efficient. It is hard to drive the returns that our great companies drive every day, and putting more difficulty on them makes it ever harder to be able to achieve that. Should that stock decrease in value, should it eventually cease to exist, we need to change our strategy or vote our shares in a manner that reflect our strategy and consider that before the position is taken
1: you know, Stephen, while we have here, if you don't mind, we can we address a big macro issue, the debt ceiling? Um, How are you preparing for the possibility of a deal not being reached? Obviously, it's a very contentious issue in D.C.
9: Very contentious issue in D.C. That affects us somewhat there. It affects us even more as we look to our pooled money and managing the state's cash, Uh, trying to look at time frame, optimistic that a deal will be reached. It is often contentious. There is a lot of uh, positioning that goes on in that process. Um, but the key on handling the debt ceiling is looking at what do we allocate to start with. We've got to make sure that our spending and revenues are in line, regardless of where we are. Once we have committed those dollars, we're committed to pay for it. So I hope that our lawmakers are able to work together and make that as seamless as possible so that our economy and our uh, companies and cash flow can continue to work.
1: All right, Kansas State Treasurer Stephen Johnson, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insight.
9: Great to be with you.
1: All right, ahead here on Worldwide Exchange, the one word every investor needs to know today. Plus, while my next guest is telling clients ahead of a key economic report due out today, Worldwide Exchange will be back after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Time now for your WEX wrap up, six stories you need to know before the opening bell. Shares of Intel popping ahead of the open despite reporting its largest quarterly loss in company history. This is Intel's fifth straight quarter of falling sales. The Bank of Japan's new chief announcing a comprehensive policy review in his first board meeting as the bank's new governor, Wangabek could set the stage for an eventual phase-out of his predecessor's ultra-loose policies and massive stimulus program. The FDIC, Treasury Department, and the Federal Reserve are reportedly overseeing discussions with banks and private equity to organize a rescue for First Republic Bank. This is shares of First Republic hit a record low, down more than 50% this week. Shares of Meta coming off a of banner day and trading at a fresh 52-week high after reporting first quarter results that blew past expectations. Right now, shares fractionally lower after rising nearly 14% just yesterday. Warren Buffett-backed Tesla rival BYD out with its latest earnings release, reporting a more than 400% jump in net income for its first quarter, despite the ongoing EV price war. And in sports, the Baltimore Ravens reportedly agreeing in principle with Lamar Jackson on a five-year, $260 million deal that would make the star quarterback the highest-paid player in NFL history. All right, we're gearing up for the trading day ahead on the economic front. Data on March personal income, consumer spending, core PCE prices, and the April Chicago PMI, all of them out this morning. We're also capping the busiest week of earnings results from Chevron, ExxonMobil, Colgate, Palmolive, and New York Community, Bank Corp. And then finally, bank balance sheets will be released after the close today as investors continue to focus on the health of the the commercial banking sector. All right, back to that key data point in today's PCE release. That's the Fed's reserves, uh, Federal Reserve's preferred gauge of inflation expected to show a slowdown in the pace of price increases after yesterday's GDP figures rose at a slower than expected pace due to slumping inventories and a decline in private investment. Let's dive into what that means for the markets and your money with Lizzie Evans, managing partner at Evans Maywealth. Lizzie, great to see you as always.
10: Good morning, Frank.
1: So, Lizzie, we always ask Wall Street's brightest minds what's the one word that's going to describe the trading day ahead? Lizzie Evans, what's your WEX word of the day?
10: My WEX word of the day is patience, and that might also be my word of the year.
1: Really? Okay, you got to explain this one. Why are you so patient in this day in particular?
10: well i think that certainly um we're focused on the report this morning to see where pce is um i expect that we'll see it's our last read on inflation before the fed beats in may i expect that um the next month that the fed will raise 25 basis points so really this is more a read on um what the fed will do in june it's been a welcome reprieve to be in a fed blackout period to not have the volatility associated with Fed speak, but I think just in general, um, as an investor, it's it, this is a year that you need to be patient. And, and really, that's also was true in, in 2022.
1: So does that mean you have money on the sidelines? And also, I want to note the two-year yield right now back above 4%. So does patience also mean that you're putting some money back into bonds as opposed to putting them in the market?
10: No, no. I think, um, you know, right now, if you look at the market uh, longer term, Across the board, fund managers have five and a half percent of AUM in cash, and you see the S&P 500, the 50-day moving average above the 200-day, and o- across the board, a- asset allocations are heavier to bonds, lighter on equities. So for all of those reasons, that's a good long-term buy signal on the S&P 500. To us, patients, if you think about, there's a great, uh, a great quote Frank that I love from Warren Buffett. And I also love it um, because I love fishing. So um <laughs> it is never test the depth of a river with both of your feet. So so what does that mean? You know, we're starting to see the 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 feds indicating that they're not gonna raise rates as aggressively as they they previously stated, we're seeing inflation start to cool. We're we're in the midst of an earnings season that has not been nearly as doom and gloom as expected. But I think that you want to stay balanced. Now is not the time to make drastic shifts to your asset allocation. Now's not the time to uh, make big changes to your equity positioning. You need to stay balanced. You need to stay patient. And it is a stock picker's market.
1: All right. So I know you're staying patient. But if you had to make a move today, it looks like you're in the chip sector for opportunity.
10: Yes. So semiconductors, of course, are facing macroeconomic headwinds. But if you look at semis and in particular, look at Broadcom or AVGO broadcom is executing better than any of uh, any of their peers and they they are trading at um, what we believe is a cheap multiple so um abgo or broadcom is 15 times forward pe you compare that to the industry at 25 times and the market at 19 times that those those are great numbers. They have a dividend yield of three percent. Management boosted that dividend in December by twenty two percent, and they've got another twelve billion in authorized share buybacks.
1: So while we're talking about chips right now, Lizzie, I want to talk to you about Intel. Um, obviously, you know some the, some declines, but this morning investors don't seem to mind. Up four percent. So why Broadcom as opposed to Intel?
10: Well, if you look at Broadcom, Broadcom um so we talked a little bit about the 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 fundamentals and the shareholder capital friendly allocation model. The, you also think about AI. I think we are super early stages with with AI and in particular with Broadcom's Jericho 3 chip. So if you look at the spending, global spending on AI in 2023 is expected to be 150 billion. Mm-hmm. You compare that to last year, that's up 27% and then fast forward three years from now, that's expected to be 300 billion. So we're super early stages there. Plus Broadcom has a very diversified um, business model. So okay. they've got the best they've got the best profit margins. They're at 70, 73% gross profit margin. That's a business I want to be in.
1: Okay, also keeping an eye on Intel though, down 51% from when Pat Gelsinger took over. He says he's hit the bottom, uh, the company has hit the bottom. All right, one last look at futures, down about a third of a percent across the board as we toss things over to our friends on Squawk Box. That show coming up next. Thank you for watching. Happy Friday. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern
5: only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you